Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When a person goes missing, what happens to all their stuff? It's a rather indelicate way to put it, but I know. But think about it. Pretend that you were to disappear off the face of the earth tomorrow. What do you think would happen to your car, your house, your debt, your savings? Where does it all go? These are the kinds of questions that most people never even have to think about answering. But not everyone is so lucky. Over 600,000 people go missing every year in the United States. If you're related to one of those 600,000 people, your life becomes real hard real quick. And you have to start answering questions you never even considered before. When Aunt Martha went missing, these were the questions we had to confront. Aunt Martha disappeared the summer I turned 16, and my family was devastated. Martha was your classic eccentric aunt, the kind who showed up for birthday parties with the most expensive gifts, who encouraged you to quit school and become an actress because if anyone can make it in Hollywood, it's you, kiddo. The kind of person who taught you to pick a lock and hide your diary so your parents would never find it. She was, simply put, my favorite aunt. And in many ways, I felt closer to her than my immediate family members. And then she was gone. She stopped answering her phone, and when we went by her house to check on her, there was no one there. Her phone still sat on the table, a glass of milk curdling on the counter, her purse hung by the door in its usual place. It was like she turned to smoke and blown away. We all took it hard. My mother, Aunt Martha's older sister, took it especially hard. At first, we all thought we'd find her. After all, she couldn't have gone far. But a week went by with no news, and with recalcitrant police officers who insisted that she'd probably turn up and there was no use in filing a police report. A month later, we finally succeeded in filing a missing report, and an investigation began in earnest. Two months later, still no news. Half a year, two years, three, four, five. Over time, we were forced to accept reality. Aunt Martha was never coming back. I held out hope the longest. Call it the naivety of youth, call it a rocky grieving process, whatever it was, the day I finally acknowledged that she was gone came shortly before she was declared legally dead. She'd been gone for seven years when our family submitted the papers and received a death certificate in return. I was 23 then and wanted no part of it. 
Even though I knew she wasn't coming back, it still hurt. It still felt too final. It felt wrong, in the absence of a body, to just say she was dead and move on with our lives. As my mother explained it to me, declaring her dead was an important step in the process of dealing with her assets. This is the only way we can gain control over her estate and the financial accounts that she left behind. They've been in limbo for a long, long time, and there are certain legalities that need to be addressed. It was then I first began to ponder the question that, unbeknownst to me until that moment, my parents had been dealing with for several years. What would happen to the fragments of life that Aunt Martha left behind? Having her declared legally dead allowed for will to go into effect, for one thing, and though most of her assets were spread evenly among the family, there was one surprise that neither I nor the rest of the family expected. She left her house to me. Now, Aunt Martha and I had always been close. I felt we shared a special bond, but I didn't realize she loved me so much to give me her home. I was touched. And I was uncomfortable. I didn't want it, that monument to a life she should have been living. But I felt compelled to take care of it. It'd be wrong to sell it or to try and pass off the responsibilities it entailed to someone else just for my own sense of comfort. So, at 23 years old, I became a homeowner. It was a miserable process. Aunt Martha's house had essentially been left alone all those years without anyone in our family able to gain legal rights to it. My parents had shielded me from most of the process, something I had only fully appreciated as I grew older, but attempting to gain guardianship of a missing person's assets is a convoluted and confusing legal process. As a result, the house had a lot of issues when it came into my possession, and suddenly I was responsible for fixing all them. So, fix them I did. I cleaned the house, began working through the mire of legal paperwork that came with it, confronted the large ring of mold growing on the floor of the upstairs bedroom. I thought those were my greatest problems, but that nightmarish process was just the beginning. As I went through Aunt Martha's things and cleaned away the detritus accumulated over years of neglect, I began to find things. At first, I thought it was one-off, but then I found another, and another. The first one was in the kitchen. I was scrubbing at a stubborn stain on the counter, letting my eyes wander as I did. Quite unexpectedly, they snagged on something in the wall. It looked like a rectangular seam just above one of the countertops, about the size of an outlet. I wondered if an outlet had once been there, or if one was hiding behind the wall. Out of curiosity, but not really expecting anything to happen, I reached out and touched the little rectangle. I felt it press in as though it were a button, and then it sprang open. Like a door. And there was something inside. I flicked on my flashlight and aimed it at the hole to get a better look. It was a teeny, tiny little room. A perfect miniature kitchen designed to look exactly like Aunt Martha's kitchen had looked, even down to the patterned linoleum floor. 
How many times had I visited that house as a child and never noticed? The seams in the wall seemed so obvious as I looked at it, but all the years that I'd come to visit, my eyes had passed over and ignored it. Of course, I took pictures to send to my parents, laughing a little at how quaint and adorable it was. Mostly, though, I was impressed. I must have taken her a horrendous amount of time to accomplish, especially at such a small scale. I thought that was the end, but as with all interesting stories, it was only the beginning. The next one was in the living room, embedded into the wall next to the TV stand. Once again, I found a perfect replica of the room inside, complete with matching wine stains on the couch cushions. I quickly abandoned my hopes of cleaning that day and spent the entire afternoon searching the house for more little rooms. The hardest to find was the one in the bathroom. I didn't expect to find a little door in the back of the cabinet under the sink. In the end, I finally discovered them all. I had no idea that Aunt Martha built miniatures. She never mentioned her hobby to me. Upon discovering it, I felt closer to her than I had in the years that she went missing, like I was in on a secret with her. Maybe a secret she wanted me to discover. I searched through some of her belongings that were still in the attic, the papers and notebooks, hoping to find some written record of her hobby and why she did it. Unfortunately, it appeared that she never kept a journal or anything of the sort. There were no answers to be found among her things. So, I went back to my routine. Slowly cleaning the dilapidated house, restoring it to its former state, and sorting through Aunt Martha's things. I'd stop and look at the miniatures once in a while, but they mostly faded from my immediate attention. There was so much to do. My head was always filled with responsibilities and the heavy weight of grief. The unique grief that comes from dredging up the material remnants of a person's life. I guess that's why I didn't make the connection when things started happening. It wasn't much at first. Things moved around. I'd put something down on one counter, only to find it on the opposite later. But that could easily be a trick of the mind. The human brain is less like a finely tuned machine, and more like a screeching ball of jelly that is capable of both astounding accomplishments and fantastic failures. But when I found my wallet perched on top of my bathroom mirror... I was pretty confident that I hadn't been the one to put it there. My first thought was someone was in the house with me, playing games, messing with me. I called my brother and he came to help search the house. We scrutinized it from top to bottom, inspecting every nook and cranny, but found no one. We didn't find any evidence that someone had broken or snuck in either. To be safe, he stayed with me for a few days and we changed the locks on all the doors and added locks to the windows. We made it nearly impossible for someone to get in. But still, the weirdness continued. One morning, I woke up to my hair in knots, literal knots, like someone had intentionally looped and tied the strands of my hair together. I stared at myself in the mirror for five minutes, trying to come up with a way I might have done it myself in my sleep. It took me an hour to brush them all out. Spent the rest of the day in a foul mood, making simple and stupid mistakes at every turn. After I managed to shatter two glasses in one day, I gave up on working and spent the rest of the afternoon fuming. My agitation grew such that I slept fitfully that night and woke up exhausted the next morning. 
I went down to the kitchen as the sun was peeking over the horizon, wondering if I should just sell the house after all. As much as it would break my heart, I felt like I had no idea what I was doing, and besides, just being there was too painful some days. And now, apparently, I was going crazy. Maybe I really wasn't cut out for this. Before I had the chance to wallow any more in my misery, I saw that a container of sugar had spilled on the kitchen counter. Frowning, I grabbed a rag from the drawer to clean up the mess, but before I could, I looked down and saw... Sorry. It had been spelled in the sugar, like someone had dragged their finger through it. A chill went up my spine as I looked around the kitchen. Hello? Who's there? I waited for an answer, growing angrier and more frightened by the minute as the silence continued. I shouted. I'm calling the police! As I turned back around. The message was gone from the sugar. In its place was this. L. Just the letter L. No, no, that, that, that's not possible. I've been standing right there. Nobody could have gotten by me and changed the message without me noticing, unless... Unless it wasn't an intruder at all. Unless it was something that I couldn't see, or someone... Someone who'd been waiting for me for a long time and was trying to get my attention now. Staring down at the sugar, I asked softly... Aunt Martha? Nothing happened. I closed my eyes and scrubbed my hand over my face, trying to ground myself in reality. I really am going crazy. I need to leave, I thought. When I opened my eyes, there was a new message. No. My heart leapt in my throat. Well, who, who, who are you then? Are, are, are you... Are you dead? I closed my eyes and opened them again, but nothing had changed. I closed my eyes and waited a little bit longer. Still nothing. It looked like whoever or whatever I'd spoken to was done answering for the time being. I spent the rest of that day lost in thought. Never really been one to believe in the supernatural. I always thought there was a logical explanation for pretty much everything, but this. I couldn't explain this. It seemed like there was no other answer except that the house was haunted, and apparently not by Aunt Martha. The next few days, I looked at the house with new eyes. Things were moved out of place now, but with a purpose. If I was going to the kitchen to grab a snack, it would already be sitting on the table, and things I hadn't gotten around to doing were somehow already done. I went to deep clean the upstairs bathroom one day and found it was already sparkling and pristine. Whatever it was, it seemed to like me. And it seemed to like the little rooms hidden all over the house. I would come into a room and see that little door had been opened, although nothing was ever moved around inside. I suppose it just liked to look at them. Like me. 
As the days went on, the house kept coming together, and I grew to enjoy the presence keeping me company. I talked through it throughout the day, telling it things about me, about Aunt Martha, and how much I missed her. I even bought some fridge magnets so we could communicate better. I showed it how to use them by spelling out my name. I really loved that. I began waking up to little messages every morning. One day I had an idea. The ghost that was haunting this house, it had to have been there when Aunt Martha disappeared, right? Or maybe it knew where she was. Maybe it had seen what happened. Of course, there was the chance that it didn't know anything, but it couldn't hurt to ask, right? So I did. I stood in the kitchen in front of the fridge, closed my eyes, and asked, Were you here when Aunt Martha lived here? I heard the scraping sound of the magnetic letters being moved around. When it stopped, I opened my eyes. Yes. My heart was pounding in my chest. I closed my eyes and took a deep breath, gathering my courage to ask, Do you know what happened to her? Yes. Where is she? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This time, I kept my eyes closed for a few moments after the sound of the letter stopped. I needed to know. I'd wanted to know for so long. And now it was going to happen. And I was not ready. But I had to look anyway. I opened my eyes and felt a twist in my stomach as I read. Here. in the afterlife dead I felt like my heart was sinking and floating at the same time I was crushed but also relieved because now I knew she wasn't coming back because she was already here in spirit anyway that had to be enough thank you I whispered and hoped it knew how much I meant it. After that, things felt different in the house. I didn't feel like such an intruder anymore because I know for certain Aunt Martha wasn't coming back. I no longer felt so alone. I was able to make a lot of progress on the house and I was finally close to finishing all the cleaning and repairs. In fact, the only real problem I had was Aunt Martha's bedroom. So far, I'd been sleeping in the guest room on the first floor where I used to stay when I visited. I didn't want to sleep in Aunt Martha's room, partly because it felt like too much of an intrusion even knowing that she was dead, and partly because of the mold. While I'd made significant progress in the rest of the house, I couldn't get the damn ring of mold off the bedroom floor. No matter how hard I scrubbed or what treatments I used, it stubbornly remained. One day I went upstairs to discover that sometime in the night, actual mushrooms had started growing the mold. 
I groaned as I looked at it. I'm going to have to call a professional, I muttered, stubbornly refusing to acknowledge that that's really what I should have done in the first place. I knelt down to the ground to get a closer look at the mushrooms and grab a few pictures on my phone when something caught my eye. The hardwood flooring under Aunt Martha's bed looked uneven. I stared at it, but couldn't make sense of what I was seeing, so I crawled under the bed to take a closer look. One of the floorboards wasn't flush with the others. It was sticking up ever so slightly. I reached out and grabbed it to discover it was loose. My anticipation and curiosity grew as I peered under the floorboard to find a bunch of ripped and crumpled pieces of paper. I started pulling them out only to find that they'd been shredded beyond recognition or had been scribbled over so nothing was legible. Just another weird thing about this house, I guessed. I was prepared to shrug it off until I flashed my phone light into the little hidey hole to make sure I hadn't missed anything. And I saw that there was one last piece of paper, folded up as small as it would go and hidden under a thick layer of dust and grime. I pulled it out, replaced the board, slid out from under the bed and began to read it. Don't forget, never accept a gift. Never say thank you. Never tell them your name. Never give them a gift. Never be rude. Never step in the ring. I stared down at it, my brow furrowing in confusion. This was definitely Aunt Martha's handwriting. I'd recognized the dramatic loops and swirls in her cursive anywhere, but what could it possibly mean, and why was it hidden under a floorboard? And why were all the other papers shredded and ruined? A sense of unease began to worm through my gut. I folded the paper back up and placed it in my pocket. I wasted no time stepping out of Aunt Martha's room and shutting the door behind me for good measure, deciding not to go back in there until I could get someone to come and take care of the mold. The paper I thought to throw away, but in the end, I couldn't. It sat on my desk instead as I tried unsuccessfully to turn my thoughts into other things as the day wore on. I didn't sleep much that night. A storm was tearing through the town like we hadn't seen in years, and booming thunder and flashes of lightnings were keeping me awake. After a few hours of tossing and turning, I decided to grab my computer and get some answers. I tried plugging the rules from Aunt Martha's notes into a few different search engines to see what came up. Surprisingly, I got an immediate answer. An answer that, unfortunately, didn't make much sense. Fairies, also commonly known as the Fae, are mischievous creatures that are sometimes described as spirits or sprites. There's no consensus on the nature of the Fae. Their origins range from angels to demons to spirits of the youthful dead. They enjoy playing tricks on people, which can range from relatively harmless, such as tangling hair into fairy locks, which are said to be unlucky when brushed out, to extremely dangerous. When encountering a fairy, it is best to tread with caution. Do not give the fairy your name and avoid accepting gifts. Never thank the fairy for anything. Thanking them implies you owe them something, 
fairies are also exceptionally sensitive to perceived slights. One must never be rude to a fairy. Additionally, fairy rings, which are naturally occurring rings of mushrooms, should be avoided at all cost. Most importantly, never step inside of a fairy ring. The more articles I read, the more confused I became. I thought about the mushroom ring in the upstairs bedroom, the tiny rooms hidden all over the house. It was like Aunt Martha had become obsessed with fairies. I began to wonder if she'd been trying to grow a fairy ring upstairs for some reason. A more disturbing possibility grew as I thought about the thing I'd been interacting with over the past few weeks, but... No. It couldn't be possible. Ghosts, I can maybe see, but fairies? I, I draw the line at fairies. They just... They aren't real. I was still researching the Fae when the sun came up in the morning, revealing the devastation left behind by the storm. Rubbing my exhaustion from my eyes, I wandered into the kitchen to make myself some coffee. For the first time, I didn't look at the message waiting for me on the fridge. My research had made me wary of continuing to interact with the entity in Aunt Martha's house. Instead, I took my coffee mug and went right to the back door so I could sit on the porch steps and get some fresh air as the sun warmed the earth. The evidence of the storm in the yard wasn't too terrible, mostly a lot of fallen branches. I walked a slow circle around the backyard while I lost myself in thought. I stopped in front of the large tree that held the rope swing I loved as a kid. I placed my hand against the trunk thinking of better and simpler times. Something was making my hand sticky. <sighs> tree sap. I muttered, pulling my hand away. But then I looked down and noticed. My hand was red. I looked at the tree trunk and saw that the storm had ripped off some of the bark and what I could see underneath was red and almost... spongy. What the fuck? A little voice in my head whispered, Turn around and go into the house now but I staunchly ignored it, reaching out to pull off more bark. Now the sticky red substance was running down the tree trunk, seeping into the grass. Perturbed, I kept pulling away at the bark, determined to figure out what was inside. At last, I tore away a very large chunk of bark, and something flopped out to dangle freely from the trunk. For one blissful moment... I didn't know what I was looking at. And then I began to make out the shape of an arm and a hand totally skinless and dripping blood. As I stood there, a scream beginning to bubble in my throat, I saw the fingers twitch. I turned around and bolted for the house. Grabbing a duffel bag from the guest room, I threw some clothes, my computer, and a few other necessities inside. I can barely even remember what I grabbed. My mind was too focused on the giggling I heard behind me, the sound of slamming doors. Mere seconds later, I was sprinting out the front door, not even bothering to lock it behind me. The sound of something smashing inside the house tempted me to look back, but I resisted as I got into my car and tore down the street, leaving that house of nightmares behind me. I've been staying at a hotel across town since then. 
I texted my family members to stay away from the house, not to try and visit me. I told them the mold problem was more serious than we thought, and it wasn't safe to go in until I could find someone to take care of it. I don't tell any of them the truth about what's going on. They wouldn't believe me. Not that I blame them. I mean, would you believe me? I didn't think so. I've been thinking a lot since I left that house. Been doing a lot of research, too. As much as I would like to leave the house behind forever, to pretend that none of this ever happened, I know I can't. Firstly, I'm pretty sure I figured out what happened to Aunt Martha, and if I really did see her fingers twitching... I can't be sure. Maybe it was a trick of the mind, but... If there's any possibility that my Aunt Martha is still alive, I can't leave her behind. I won't. And secondly, because I've broken the rules. I've accepted gifts from the fairies, I've thanked them, I've told them my name, and it doesn't matter where I go or how fast I run, they'll always find me. That was confirmed when I woke up yesterday morning with more fairy locks in my hair. I didn't dare brush them out. There's a lot of information about fairies out there. It's hard to tell what's true or not. Nobody knows exactly what they are or how they work. There's one thing that's consistent, though. In every article and YouTube video and story and poem, the only way to stay safe from fairies is to avoid interacting with them at any cost. I've never been good at following instructions, and especially when my family's on the line. So I've armed myself with a small iron cross around my neck, a bottle of salt in my pocket, and a bracelet made from rowan wood. I've turned my clothes inside out, I've studied what weaknesses they may or may not have, and written my own list so I don't forget them. And now, I'm going back to that house. I'm going to seal the fairy doors and fill the house with St. John's Ward and daisies and four-leaf clovers. I'm turning on every sink and placing branches of mountain ash at the doors. And I'm not leaving until I get my fucking aunt back. <laughs>